Hello, and welcome to the 15th episode of Cycles Podcast. I'm Jake Warner, Cycles founder. Uh, today we have a good friend, uh, Darren Shepard. Uh, for those who, I mean, I mean let's, let's be real. Most of you already know who Darren is on the chance that you don't. Uh, Darren has spent his career writing orchestration systems, uh, first in the infrastructure as a service space and then Docker and Kubernetes. He is best known for co-founding Rancher Labs and creating such projects as Rancher, Longhorn, K3S3, K3S, uh, and many others. Uh, Darren, uh, great to have you on the show. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Darren, let's, let's, let's dive straight in. So uh, as, as I just uh, you know, uh, kind of alluded to, most people know you from, from K3S, or K3S yeah. and, and uh, obviously Rancher, right? So yeah. uh, I think let's start with that. Uh, you know, in, in, terms of, in terms of Rancher, uh, I think most people in the ecosystem know that it was acquired a few years, years ago, but uh, given that we have a lot of technical founders and developers that watch our podcast, I think it'd be really interesting to, uh, to, to, to hear from the co-founder of Rancher himself of what was that journey like? What was your favorite parts? And what were the things that uh, if you had to do them again, you do them differently? <laughs> I know that was yeah. a lot. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to say I like that you stumbled on K3S because, like, the K3S is the stupidest name. Um, like, when we launched that project, like, our marketing people are like, can we come up with a better name? And they kept talking about, like, pitching all these other ones. And I'm like, no, I really like K3S. Like, that's stupid. And it, so it's like, it's a dumb name. Nobody knows how to say it. What's the official pronunciation? So anyways. but <laughs> Is it actually K3S? No, there's that's how I usually say it is K3S. But, like... The, the official statement is there's no official way to say it. So some people say like K3s or keys or yeah, different things, but I always just call it K3S. Um, it makes yeah. sense. So we, we can go into the whole history of K3S. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later, whatever. But but Rancher, um, yeah, just kind of like my story of Rancher. So Rancher was the the first startup that I've done. Or I mean, I guess the only startup I've done. I, I, you know, I before I was working you know, I don't know, just regular programmer doing whatever um, in, you know, the orchestration space. But when I saw Docker, I really got excited about Docker because I worked in the, the, um, the VM orchestration space. And there was a lot of like promise of like hybrid cloud and all this nonsense, you know, OpenStack, like people will see me on Twitter. I always like crap on OpenStack and I have good reason for it. But no like, wonder we get along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of like my frustration with the ecosystem and what was going on with OpenStack and all the like empty promises of OpenStack. When I saw Docker, I was like, holy crap, I can actually accomplish what I really want to do with this. And so I immediately jumped on that. And then luckily um, got like the... Um, the other co-founders of Rancher, they had founded cloud.com. There was three other guys. Um, luckily, I was good friends with them, and we all decided to create a startup kind of in the Docker space. And so um, initially when we started Rancher, you know, this technology was so early that it was just like help people run containers. Just like because Docker was really cool on the laptop, but but there was really no great way to run it like in a cluster. You could do a single server, but then across multiple servers and and so we got started building um, Rancher, the first like Rancher 1.0, which was just like try to help people build uh, or just run containers on servers. And and it was kind of interesting. We were very closely associated with Docker. We wanted to try stay true to the Docker way of doing things. And so Docker was building Swarm, but it wasn't that good. 
Um, so we kind of assumed where they would be going and we built an orchestrator with the idea that we would throw it away and eventually just adopt like swarm. Um, and so that one orchestrator was called cattle. And so our, our, our rancher 1.0 was built on this technology called cattle, which was our own orchestrator that we kind of built by accident. We didn't really want to be in the orchestration space. And so it kind of got wrapped up a little bit in the orchestration wars, but we never very heavily pushed it because it was like, you know, we figured someone else would solve this problem. So the Rancher One product was like all Docker oriented and it was largely, we got most of our users off of our own orchestrator called Cattle. And we built like a, a good following, a, a lot of a good following of people who liked Rancher One. Um, then Kubernetes came around and it was quite clear that Kubernetes was gonna take over the market. So we did a massive pivot, dumped everything, rewrote Rancher from scratch. Um, and that was Rancher 2.0 and it was 100% Kubernetes focused. Um, and so that's what we ended up building, like the biggest kind of business. And that's kind of what we sold to SUSE and everything was the Kubernetes business. But there's a really interesting history there because like the Rancher 1.0 was all about, it was very focused on the user, helping users run containers. Whereas the Rancher 2.0 product was really about helping people run Kubernetes clusters. So it was this big pivot from like kind of helping the end user run applications to helping IT organizations basically run Kubernetes clusters. So kind of like the whole game changed. And it's like, if you follow me on Twitter and kind of like my, I have a kind of a negative approach, like <laughs> I might say some negative things about Kubernetes. And it's, it's kind of this of like where the ecosystem shifted from the user to the IT so it's like, we went from like, containers are awesome. Let's run them in production to, oh crap, we don't have a good orchestrator. And then the whole ecosystem was just standing up clusters. It's like, it shifted down a layer to this really boring, annoying thing of like, I need to clusters. And it just completely shifted away from users. So it's like, that's kind of the state I think the ecosystem's in right now is that we focus so much on like enterprise IT of running Kubernetes and just completely abandoned the end user of running containers. Um, but anyways, that was probably not what you asked, but that was where I went with that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I appreciate that though, because I mean, I, I think that, you know, as, as you were, as you were, 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 you know, telling that story, like, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's something that resonated with me. Right. And I think that, you know, from, from our conversations, uh, you know, just, you know, personally, um, I, I think that we've always been on, on a very similar page about that, except that where, when, when Rancher started to go all in on Kubernetes cycle kind of stood like steadfast and yeah. like, Hey, like, like, well, then, so cycles entire approach from the early days of, 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 of building all these things was we, we, to you, to the same point that you made about OpenStack was <laughs> I had experience with OpenStack before building Cycle. Right, I was I was working for a company called SingleHop, and yep, I, we were deploying some OpenStack stuff, and it was it was it was a whole mess. And so then when we started hearing about Docker and Kubernetes, I was like, hmm. My long term bet is that Kubernetes is going to go through that hype at some point. It's going to be king of you know king of the hill, but then at some point. Just like we've seen it over and over again. And, and everyone's always like, no, this time it's different. It's never different. It's always the same. Sometimes yeah. it just takes longer to happen. Right. But the whole idea with Cycle was, was 
how do we focus on the end user, you know, to the point that you're talking about, but at the same time, be able to, throughout that process, have a opinionated approach so that way, instead of developers having to, well, we always call the, the thousand decisions, right? And in terms of deploying something, usually there's a thousand, I mean, it's kind of a metaphor, right? But there's a thousand decisions that might have to be made to get something online. And maybe a few hundred of those are decisions that you just make kind of subconsciously because you've just all you've had that experience, right? You're not you're not actively making the decision, but you've just done it that way in the past so you're just kind of doing it. But in terms of automating it, as obviously you're very familiar with, all those subconscious decisions are still things that you need to automate and plan for, right? And so our goal of cycle is like how can we empower the end user but be in a position where um we still leave high a uh, high enough ceiling for people to build stuff, right? Because there's so many yeah. of these these kind of wrappers and platforms out there today where it's like, yeah, you can get started really easily, but the ceiling is so low you can't build anything of meaningful value, right? And so I think that's one of the things that you know is that I think has always resonated between the two of us. And so as you as you were sharing that story about Rancher, it's like I it's just like we you know we were kind of both going through time with with that same approach I think yeah yeah I mean I, I might like disagree on some of the like the Kubernetes like I'm very negative towards Kubernetes but I also see a huge amount a huge amount of value in it just because like I since I I've written these orchestration systems I have a high degree of appreciation for what they've accomplished with Kubernetes like reading through the code and stuff like that it's like like it's it's very well done. Like, like where the opposite was OpenStack. Like OpenStack, I would read through OpenStack. I'm like, this is just a pilot. Like, <laughs> yeah. like it was, you know, these days, you know, whatever. It's like 10 years later, it's probably much, much better. But I'm, I'm talking about the very early days and what people were writing. I mean, it was just garbage. Like yeah. there was not a, there was clear when OpenStack started that there was not a kind of a heritage of how to write these systems. So they were making a lot of novice mistakes in how they built these systems. Whereas Kubernetes, it's very clear that it's like, yeah, they, they the the people who've contributed the initial code and stuff like that have a history. They know they know the the past stuff. But so I think there's a chance. That's why I haven't completely given up on Kubernetes because I think there's a chance that like if somebody can build can succeed in building the layer above it, um, that there's an amazing opportunity because Kubernetes is basically ubiquitous now. It's like it's everywhere. Um, but you know, when I look out at the ecosystem, what people are doing, I, I don't have a lot of faith because I, I think everyone, I think the majority of people are just like, it's, it's just madness. Like everyone just makes everything more and more complex, but yeah. I haven't personally given up on this space. So it's like, I am like, after I've last lost, left, um, I left Sousa in the beginning of this year, I'm, I am working on, you know, kind of trying to do the next thing or whatever to somehow make this a better a better situation but if i was you know it's like like looking at like cycle if i was to tell someone today like a you know a small company like they're starting up they have a small engineering team i will never tell them to go to kubernetes like my my number one my number one thing that i typically tell people like you're a small company you're like you're getting going do ecs ecs is typically it's just docker with containers and it works for most people i mean i think cycle is a great platform um, platform too so like that that it's like so it's like cycle i think is is more on like that the cycle significantly better than i think than ecs and, and 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 docker but i'm saying it's kind of on that level of like people can grasp docker containers and so if you have a solution that's oriented towards putting a docker container into production go towards that just don't mess with kubernetes kubernetes is like that's if you have an it budget you know like 
And, yeah. and, 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 and that's kind of where we found our success success so far is we've, we've always kind of targeted companies before they begin hiring DevOps engineers, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, but the idea is that once that happens, these companies, once they see the value of cycle, and that's where I talk about like having that high ceiling, like, cause there's a lot of companies out there that are like, oh, we make Docker containers really simple, but like you really can't do much with them, right? Yeah. Where with cycle, you can choose your infrastructure, you can have, you know, hybrid infrastructure, you can have, whether you want to be multi-cloud, like there's so many different uh, things that it begins with, but to your point we have focused on a lot on that simplicity of like hey you probably don't need 90 percent of what is in kubernetes you really only need that 10 percent, but you need that 10 percent to be easily digestible and understandable right yeah yeah um but then throughout that process like we've had we've we've since brought companies on where they were in those early stages but now those companies have grown like a huge amount i mean for example we have a company on top of cycle that is building uh, I don't want to say exactly an AWS Lambda competitor, but very similar. I mean, they're, I mean, Cycle's now deployed north of a million containers across all uh -huh. their customer infrastructure, right? So like, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, it makes sense for people to like, as we target new customers and things like, it makes so much sense for us to target those, the startups when they're in the early days, but then grow with them. And instead of being a platform where there's like, there's so many platforms out there today where there's a very easy on-ramp but the exit ramp is just as defined, right? Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, cause I mean, there's, I mean, a, a number of them out there where it's like, where it's like, you know, that exit ramp, there's a point where a lot of these companies, if they're using some of these other platforms where they're like, oh, I need to use Kubernetes now because I need more of that power, right? Yeah. And so yeah. our goal is to be like, hey, like with Cycle, you shouldn't need to leave the platform. You have all the, you, we've, we've made it simple, but you still have all these different things that, can do really neat things. Like we have companies that are running north of a terabyte worth of RAM on the platform today. Um, yeah, so things like that, I guess, is, is what I'm saying, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's what I'd like to say, you know, cause it's, it's like um, Kubernetes was such a, a good solution for the the ecosystem of vendors. You know, it's like OpenStack was terrible for vendors. Kubernetes yep. was, was, was really good for them. So it's like, um, you know, I, I, I'd like to see, I don't know, like, a, you know, to kind of to be able to move forward and and have a better user experience of something like Cycle, but being built on top of Kubernetes. And because it's like your product where it sits is kind of where I think most people should be operating. Um, you know, it's like, I, I, I like the user experience of what, what you're doing and everything. So it's like, but I'd like to see that, you know, kind of on top of Kubernetes because there's a lot of advantage of like, the just the ubiquitous nature of that just being everywhere even for like edge and stuff because like the stuff we did with k3s was was um i just see huge huge potential in um running you know uh containers at the edge and so like k3s yeah we saw a lot of opportunities there yeah and so and that is one thing that cycle has has purposely um kind of shied away from is going after is you know let's, let's, I don't want to I mean I don't want to say this definitively because you know there's a couple of Fortune 500 companies that we've we've been talking with but in general it's not an industry that we've been we've been chasing because there's so many of these companies to the point that you already made already have these IT budgets they're already using Kubernetes things like that where where you know they're so down that path that a solution like what you're talking about just makes so much more sense for them because like they've already deployed these clusters they already have them up and running they just need other things on top to help mean make it easier simplify that experience um and 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 that's where like so like cycle cycles goals to go like from startups to like 
for the most part, let's say mid-market with, with the exception of a few Fortune 500 companies that probably yeah. could make sense. But uh, it sounds like the solution that you're talking about is more focused on like that, that extreme upward side of that. Um, yeah, because um, a lot of enterprise, so it's like, they, you know, they've spent the last couple of years basically setting up and managing Kubernetes. I mean, it's, that's, that's all the stuff we did at Rancher was just helping people run Kubernetes clusters. But like where they really struggle is, you know, onboarding teams and getting te- like setting up those pipelines. So it's like, you know, it's, it, it's like the, <clears throat> every single company builds some type of mini baz, even if all that is, is like a, a pipeline, but they like, they pretty much, nobody really lets like the developer touch Kubernetes. It's kind of like, you can check in and change a couple of these parameters and then we'll automatically deploy them. But so it's like, where companies are struggling right now is they've got Kubernetes and now they need to onboard teams and then they've in-house built something, a solution for that, but that solution doesn't necessarily scale or just the amount of effort it took to build that own solution. So it's like, you know, it's somehow accelerating getting the developers onto Kubernetes um, or, you know, just basically be able to take the asset from the development team and put it on onto Kubernetes. That's where people are struggling right now. And that's where like, you know, you see these different solutions popping up, um, like Octeto or uh, Loft, um, you know, Docker just acquired Tilt, you know, all these kind of like developer oriented for Kubernetes, you know, um, which I think, I think developers and Kubernetes is like an oxymoron. Like it, it's like Kubernetes is just not the system for developers, but yeah. anyhow. <laughs> well, and, and as you say that, uh, as we start talking about, uh, you know, obviously you were you know, foundational in, in building K3S. Um, yeah. and maybe, maybe, maybe it's, uh, you know, uh, maybe it'd be good for uh, our, our, our listeners and, and people who are watching this to hear some of the history of K3S. Like what was the decision that went through that you're like, Hey, this is a great idea. We should build this, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. So like there was no forethought into K3S. It was a complete accident. So I was working <laughs> on a different project called Rio. So what happened is like, <laughs> Let me see. Do I give you the honest story or the the more so the, the, the honest story is the fun. Yeah, that's more fun. That's more fun. <laughs> Basically, you know, so when we uh, released Rancher 2.0, um, that was a major pivot where we went to Kubernetes, and it was clear that from and it, you know when we went from Rancher 1.0 to 2.0, like a lot of it upset a lot of users. We we knew it was like it was like it was just the thing we had to do for the business. It made it made sense that like you know, for us to survive as a company, we had to embrace Kubernetes. And and then if you looked at what are the needs of the Kubernetes market was really uh, being a cluster administration. So like, so we moved away from, as I was saying before, like uh, uh, helping the user run containers. So like Rancher 2.0 was like, if, if you wanted to set up a Kubernetes cluster, it's great experience. If you wanted to run an application on Kubernetes, good luck. You know, it's like, you know, it's Kubernetes. Who the hell knows? You know, it's like one day you'll figure it out. So, <laughs> so, with, so what happened is, so after we launched Rancher 2.0, honestly, I got kind of frustrated because I'm like, you know, I, I, this sucks. I hate you. Like, I don't like using Kubernetes. And like, it just, it's, it's so tedious to deploy anything. So I started working on a platform called Rio. Rio, um, so that project is dead now. It largely was not a success. But when I started Rio, it was kind of like the scope was everything. It was like, just how the hell do I embrace Kubernetes, like use Kubernetes technology, but like not make it suck to run containers. 
So we built Rio and largely that solution failed, but as a side effect of it was like, in order for development, I needed to be able to run Kubernetes really easily. And like, I didn't want to use like Kubernetes and deploy a cluster. It's like, as a developer, I just wanted to be able to turn on Kubernetes. So I built this, like the very first hash of, of Kubernetes, like if, I think if you go, or K3S, if you go all the way back into like the commits or whatever, it was like, it was basically, it was like Kubernetes without the crap I don't like. It was something like that. So I just took Kubernetes and stripped out all the crap I didn't like in it, like the stuff I didn't want to use, and just made a small, simple executable that when you turn it on, it ran Kubernetes. Um, somehow that got onto like Hacker News. Somebody noticed it or whatever and posted it on Hacker News. And there was a lot of interest in like just the simplicity of running the how I packaged and made it. But people wanted all the features of Kubernetes because I ripped out all these 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 features. So when I saw the response on Hacker News and then I started seeing more activity on Twitter, like people asking about it and wanted, it seemed like, hey, people are looking for some like simple solution to just, like just getting Kubernetes running was hard. Like, you know, you could run Minikube on your laptop, but it, but it was just like, I don't know, like it was just hard enough for people. So, so K3S, um, was really just built for myself of like, if I, as a developer, how would I want to run it? And so, so I ended up adding all the features back into it. I didn't remove anything except for some drivers and crap. Um, but it, for the most part, it's completely fully compliant uh, a Kubernetes uh, distribution. Uh, and then we, we put K3S out there. We marketed it as an edge solution, but that was just from a business perspective. That's where we saw what message was what would resonate. But by no means was the success because of Edge. The success came from just people were able to easily run Kubernetes. So I got tons of responses when I first launched it of like, hey, this is the first time I've been able to actually like run Kubernetes and like run a deployment by myself. Like I've never been able to, you know, get Kubernetes up and running before this, you know. So so K3S, it was just, you know just packaging it up in a really simple way. So that's really all K3S is, is like a very simple packaging of Kubernetes that like when you turn it on, it just works and everything's there by default. Um, you know, it, it has like a storage class and a service load balancer and ingress. And, you know, it's like all the features and stuff are all kind of all turned on and ready to go. And there was really at the time, there was just, you know, nothing like it. So now definitely K3S has been copied. There's like K0 and, you know, other things. I mean, I guess... That's not true. Make microcates did exist at the time, but but I, I guess one of the fundamental difference between K3S and micro microcates was K3S from the beginning when we did it was like I didn't want to create a toy for development. I actually wanted to create something that was capable to run production workloads because I'm like you know if I can spin up three VMs but K3S on three VMs, you know, it, then that's a that should be production grade. Why not? And so yeah. that, that was, that was what we did. But anyway, so that, that was a really long, long story of kind of like K3S, but like, but K3S was just a complete accident. It was, you know, it was just something I built um, for myself and then it seemed like other people liked it. And so we put it out there and then it's, I think by far, like that by far the most popular thing I've ever done. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong. I, I read a headline, I, I believe it was yesterday or the day before that Home Depot was starting to adopt K3S. Oh, I, you can like, I mean, I can't say all the companies that run K3S, um, but so it's like, uh, 
Yeah. I mean, almost every major retailer, uh, you know, fast food, like in, at least in the U.S., like all these chains and stuff like that. Yeah, they're all looking or, or running, you know, K3. Because so it's, it's funny. It's like because we at Rancher, we talked to all these companies. and A lot of them were our customers. Um, and what we found is we might not have like sold them on Rancher and then buying Rancher, but they definitely went with K3S because because the thing is, is like when you start looking at, um, you know, a lot of times, like when you have an engineering team, uh, they kind of like the new shiny. So they want to they want to spin up a solution themselves. Um, so they're not they don't immediately want to just go in and buy a product like Rancher or something like that. So um, so K3S is like the most reasonable thing for anyone to de- to deploy on the edge. And so, yeah, so it's it's running. I don't know, practically everywhere. I mean, it's and it's on like every type of, you know, uh, moving vehicle too. like, I, I don't know, like uh, um, it's gone to space, I think, like in uh, satellites and it's on boats and trains. And, and how does cars. it make you feel? Um, I don't know. I, you know, so it's like, I don't know, like, I don't take like a lot of like credit for K3S or anything because like at the end of the day, like I know what it is. It's like, it was just a simple packaging of Kubernetes. So it's still just Kubernetes. So it's like, so it was kind of one of those things where it's like, it's a very odd that that project, like I couldn't say like I had some great insight and created that. Like it was like, it just kind of happened and it's cool that I was a part of it. And, um, because like if you were to put on paper, like before K3S existed, if I was to put on paper of like, here's what I'm going to build. It's, you know, a lightweight packaging of Kubernetes. It, it, it didn't make like doesn't make any sense. Like, why would that be popular and really take off or whatever? And, and, but it but it did. So it's kind well, of one it, of the. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it shows that the implementation is so important to. Yeah. And, and that's what like I kind of argue, you know, because this is like I look at the success of Docker you know, it's like the technologies of Docker existed, you know, for a long time, you know, there was LXC before it, but there's a subtle, there's a subtlety to how they packaged and presented that technology that really clicked with users. And so I think, you know, that's kind of what we did with K3S is like, you know, there's something, there's some subtle nuance to how we did it that clicked. And I can't say exactly what that is, but it's, you know, there's like evidence that people used it. So, so so that's where I, I kind of get frustrated, like, let's say, like, on Twitter or something where people, like, <laughs> there was a rant or there was an argument I had recently where people, they, the, the, the Podman crew or whatever renamed Dockerfile to Containerfile. And I'm just like, that's so <laughs> oh, stupid. That. Yeah, I'm like, that's so stupid. Why can't you just name it Dockerfile? And they're like, no, 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 this is a container. Like, it's not a Docker, con-. you know, because like, the, the whole Podman crew is so adamant about, we're not calling it Docker anymore. These are not Docker containers, they're containers. And it's, and it's stupid in my mind because it's like, no, what you're building, what Kubernetes is built on is Docker containers. It is not a container. Container has existed forever, but Docker put a very specific spin on it that just worked and it clicked with everyone. So it's like, at least give those guys some credit that like they created something. So it's like, it it annoys me to kind of like, to just say, no, this is container and, and it is because like containers now this like what a Docker container is, has now become our interpretation of a container. But it's but it's like, no, like that was a unique invention. Like that is like uh, something, something different. 
Well, and, um, and all the specs that came along with it, right? Yeah. Like, like yeah. so many of those specs are like what became the OCI spec. I mean, I know that there's been changes to it over time, but so many of those things, like uh, to your point, like, yeah, containers have been around for a while with C groups and namespaces and all those things, but that implementation of it in the specs is really yeah. what brought it all together. And, and, and the specs aren't complete either. Cause like the people that make the argument is like, no, 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 they're OCI containers, right? And it's like, no, 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 because trust me, go write a CRI runtime and you'll figure out when you do a CRI, CRI runtime, the reference for how all the nuances of what the container does is you have to look at what the Docker daemon does. If, the, however, you know, there's a lot of nuances of, you know, just little things of like, you know, you launch, a, you launch a container and it has a volume defined. Therefore, you must copy up the content from the, you know, you create a new, like ephemeral volume and copy up content. And those aren't in specifications anywhere. Like it has not. Yeah. So it's like what we still, you know, so we're very far off from like an OCI container. It's like, the, it's not, the behavior is not fully defined. Like, well, and that was, oh, sorry. I, I was yeah. going to say that, that, you know, that specific point was one of the challenges of building cycle was like, cause we wanted, like, we don't run Kubernetes and we don't run Docker. Right. But yeah. we wanted to feel like we were running Docker for you. Right. Like we want, we wanted it to feel like we were running a multi-cloud, uh, you know, full infrastructure. Cause like cycles whole, like, I, I don't know if we, I don't think we talked about it yet, but, uh, I think you, you are, uh, from previous conversations, like we like cycle, sorry, I'm jumping all over the place. Cycle is more than just container orchestration. Like after, that's one of the things that we've learned recently. We were we were talking with uh, with Nick, and I'm going to pronounce his name wrong. Uh, Nick uh, uh, Stein Steinmeitz. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I know Nick. Yeah, we, were, yeah. We, we were talking with Nick, and and he's he's like, he's like, why do you keep calling yourself a container orchestration platform? I was like, well, because people use Cycle for containers. He's like, yeah, but like, and this was mid demo, and he's like, he's like, yeah, but there's so many other things that Cycle does here. Like, you have an operating system that standardizes all these things. Yeah. You ship, you ship with a standardized kernel. You, like, he's, at one point, he's like, he's like, if you really wanted to, you could throw Kubernetes into this mix because you like, he's like, he's like, only half a cycle is containers. The other half is all this infrastructure orchestration stuff and all these other things that go along with it. That you could, you could, like, he's like. Ended up being, you know, ended up being stop calling yourself a container orchestration platform. And so now we've started changing some of our language to be just the all-in-one platform because he's right. There is a lot of the problems that we solve for companies that are have, have nothing to do with containers at all. And but to your point of where you know, like that Docker definition, um, since we don't run Kubernetes or Docker, like you know, this was built from. I mean, the only thing that we we the only thing we run is run C. Holy right. crap! Wow, you went all you went yeah you went real raw. We yeah. went, we we went all the way. I mean, so so we yeah. we, we run uh, CycleOS, which is an Alpine build with yeah. a specific kernel, and then run C with nothing else, yeah. right? But I had to so so like when when Michael Crosby, um, I think you know you might yeah, yeah, yeah of so, course. So Michael and I are good the friends. The legendary so while he was, Michael Crosby. Yes. Yeah, so, so 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 when <laughs> when he when he was sitting here working on Container D, I was building a shim for Cycle at the same time, and so we're sitting here like sharing ideas about like how to implement this, and so it ended up being that they kind of were developed in along the same way. So we don't even run Container D, but we, Michael and I were just having those conversations at the same time. So it ended up being this really like. This really implement this really neat implementation where because we just run run C and that's the only thing that we run. I mean, who says we couldn't swap out run C and I mean shit, people could we could it wouldn't be a big stretch to be like, hey, Cycle, let's run micro VMs, let's run Kubernetes clusters on top of it. Because there's so many like yeah, yeah. by by taking control of that vertical stack in the way we have, we've 
gotten a whole bunch of fun uh, functionality and things that I think that one during during a previous conversation you and I had this was like two or three years ago I was mentioning how with cycle everything is going 100% of the platform is going but yeah. we use, you use, we use gob? yeah we use gob encoding for everything right <laughs> so we have there's no such thing as legacy code for cycle right yeah and I think that that's you know kind of going back and kind of going full circle here that's where as I was talking with Nick and like it started to like as, as it started to click for him too he's like He's like, wow, if you don't have legacy code that you need to support, you have strictly defined types everywhere. Like, why container orchestration? Like, there's so many other, like, you've built almost a full ecosystem approach and, you know, to, to handle some of these things. And so, um, I don't remember how we got on this topic anymore. Oh, it was Docker. We, we, we had to, uh, as I hit my microphone, uh, we had to mirror that Docker behavior, right? And yeah. then to your point of those intricacies, like, uh, this is something I, I I'm embarrassed to admit, but we didn't have seccom support oh. <laughs> until like seven months ago. Uh, it was like one of the only things that like I just kept kind of delaying, delaying, delaying until there was one of those big uh, exploits that came out. And I was like, we should probably add seccom. But even just adding seccom support, there's so many specific like again, if the goal is that cycle should be mirroring Docker, we had to go through Docker and make sure okay, what are the what are the setcomp rules that they automatically implement so yeah. that way if someone runs a container that was running perfectly fine on their local machine on cycle, it should not be complaining, right? So I guess to your exact point of uh, that definition of what a Docker container is, um, again, I I fully agree with you there. I think it's it's just. People, want, if it works in Docker, the the rule is that it should work anywhere else. I think is is real. I guess what it yeah, comes down yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, so it's, I mean, it's 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 just it's just really interesting. So so with K three so with K three S, um, you know, it, it, with K three S, it's it's the the implementation of it. Uh, as we were talking about before, I think the implementation of it is, is why it ended up winning so much. Um, because I think that developers have this tendency to always overcomplicate everything. And it, it, oh, every yeah. once in a while, it takes someone kind of stepping back and saying, this is dumb. Like, why are we doing this? And it kind of gets everyone else thinking like, hmm, you're probably right. Like, we didn't need to be doing all that. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's kind of what, you know, being a rancher has kind of had the kind of, you know, ability of seeing people doing this stuff over and over and over and over again, where it's like, yeah, there's a definite pattern of like, this is kind of what you want. Cause the problem with Kubernetes is like, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the platform for everyone. It can do everything. Um, and so it has a million switches and, and you know, all these random things and stuff like that. So it's like, it's hard because I've gotten like comments of like, why don't you upstream K3S and why don't we just make Kubernetes itself easier and I've always pushed back on that of like, you know, that kind of goes against the idea of what Kubernetes is and what made Kubernetes so successful is that like everybody can contribute to it because it's everything for everyone and it doesn't have a specific opinion. K3S is extremely opinionated of like we picked certain technologies and bundled in certain things and set certain settings and we're like, this is what we really think is the majority use case. And so it has a very strong opinion. Um, and that's something I don't think should exist upstream. So it's like I push back of like, no, this should be its own project. And, you know, I can't really make Kubernetes itself more easy. Like it needs to say kind of as the complicated beast it is. 
The thing is people just need to build layers above it. Or, or, and that's where I think the ecosystem has just completely failed. And it's, it's partly because of users too. You know, it's like, is that like when I built Rio, like I was saying Rio, that was a failed project or whatever. The, the intention of Rio was like, I wanted to simplify the developer experience on, on Kubernetes. So it first started off of like heavily extracted, abstracting Kubernetes. It was like its own kind of syntax, DSL, whatever. Um, but as I talked to people, it was like, no, we want it to be more Kubernetes. Like we want it to, I don't know, fit into the Kubernetes ecosystem more. So I started moving that project closer and closer to like be more Kubernetes native or whatever. And then it ended up just kind of falling apart because it was like, like kind of the insight coming out of that project was like, no, you just can't have people touching. Like you, if you want a better experience, you can't have people touching raw Kubernetes. You need to put a layer above it. So the problem with the ecosystem was nobody would accept a layer above it. Like everyone's like, I just want raw Kubernetes. And, and I don't really blame them, but like we're at least now at the point where people have Kubernetes and they realize the complexity and now are like, hey, this isn't shiny, fun and cool anymore. I just want to get my job done. So people I think are willing to accept the layer above it that abstracts it to a certain degree. But I don't think anyone is anywhere near come close to a proper solution for that. So that's where we're struggling. So like the success of Kubernetes long-term is really going to be if somebody can come up with that next layer because Kubernetes itself is not a productive enough platform. Like the promise of the agility and stuff of containers largely gets hampered by Kubernetes. It's like containers are great, but then like you move across and as soon as you hit Kubernetes, it's like this wall and it really slows it down. It's still better than what we had before, but it's nowhere near what we could have so like in order for Kubernetes to continue to exist, if somebody has to build a layer above it, if somebody can't build a layer above it, then somebody will build the adjacent one. Like the, the layer above it will not be built on Kubernetes and that's what will succeed and Kubernetes will go away. So I personally am trying to do that one because I think there's enough value in Kubernetes and, and it's, you know, Kubernetes has given us, like one of the problems with the cloud was like, everyone has a different API and it's very hard to build a solution that goes everywhere. Um, now with Kubernetes, I at least have an ubiquitous API for kind of infrastructure. So I, I want that to work, but I don't know if it will. Like that's what I'm myself personally working on right now is like, what's that layer above it? What's the, ups, the kind of the application abstraction so that developers can build an application and deploy it on Kubernetes without having to know Kubernetes significantly and and you know just make that whole that whole thing work you know which is so complicated. But. It'll be interesting though, like like as you as you work on that and and cycle you know with cycle we can work on the adjacent, but that's the that's the that's the neat thing with how big the space is. Oh yeah, is that there's always like like I mean you could have twenty companies in the space. And people, I mean, that's the neat thing about developers. Everyone is so opinionated. You'll have developers that have been burned by Kubernetes that, that are like, hey, I don't ever want to touch Kubernetes ever again, et cetera, et cetera, even if there's an abstraction. But then you'll have other people that are like diehard Kubernetes where they're like, like, okay, fine, I can have an abstraction on it. That can make it easy as long as the underlying foundation is Kubernetes. But it's just so neat that the ecosystem is so large that it will support. I mean, I think the ecosystem is so large that there will never there will never be a single company that is i mean yes right now kubernetes is the king of the hill right yeah but 
Uh, but I mean, it's kind of like the, the book that I'm sitting behind me of Crossing the Chasm, right? To, and what you already, to, to the point that you already had made previously of, you know, okay, it's not the shiny thing anymore, right? I just need to get my job done. And so many technologies start out with that of so many people are just like, oh, like, look how shiny it is. Look how new it is. I could customize everything. But as time goes on, um, people want something that just works, right? Like it, when, when, when we've been in, in sales meetings, we always refer to it and, you know, I, I, I get slack every time I uh, every time I say this, but I always refer to it as the Android versus iPhone model, right? Mm -hmm. Most people start out with an Android phone because they want to customize everything, right? Yeah. Um, and of course, I'm generalizing the shit out of this right now. But as time goes on, a lot more people start switching to an iPhone where they're like, okay, yeah, I can't customize everything anymore, but that's okay. I just want it to work, right? Yeah. And again, and maybe that has changed, especially recently. I've been used Android in like eight or nine years now. So that, that might be very different. But back when, I mean, like back when I was using Android, it was uh, Eclair uh, or... Uh, yeah. Something, I, something like that. I actually was, just switched from Android in this last year. Do iPhone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so, so that, that that's that, that's the analogy that we've we've always been yeah. saying is is and and like so we had Kelsey Hightower um who who saw a demo cycle a few months ago and at the end of the the, the demo he's like he's like uh he, he said something along the lines of he's like this is really neat he's like he's like he's like I appreciate how Cycle's taking a Apple like approach to containers it's it's yeah. highly opinionated it's not for everyone but there's a certain subset of the ecosystem out there that are like I don't give a shit about all these things I just want to be able to run containers. And so it's, it's, it's just kind of neat there. The, the one question I do have about your long-term still optimistic about Kubernetes is what is your thoughts about supporting legacy code and the update process hmm. like, as, as new versions of Kubernetes are coming out? Cause like that's like, that was one of the oh. biggest issues. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm getting mean, too like, excited. Are you talking about just like supporting older versions of Kubernetes or newer versions? Like, or, or you just mean like people have like an old, you know, .NET application or something like that? Uh, so well, I guess let me, let me set the stage. So with Cycle, one of the biggest problems we solve is that all servers connected to Cycle run the exact same OS, the exact same kernel, and the oh, exact yeah. same, right? So, so that way, whenever we push out updates, which is every, you know, on average, like every two weeks, everyone gets the latest version of Cycle, right? There's no maintaining existing code. But I've also read how, uh, and, and to put it bluntly, I've never had taken a Kubernetes cluster and upgraded it to a new one. So it, I, I, yeah. I don't have much experience there, but from what I've heard from other people and things like that, I, I've learned that, or I, sorry, I've, I've heard that the experience was very, was very difficult to the point of, I believe Forrester did a report about it where they said that for most companies, it's better off to deploy a new cluster and then migrate yeah. to it as opposed to doing an upgrade uh, or sorry, an update to a in-place cluster. And so I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that long term. Yeah, well, I mean, so upgrading clusters, I don't know, like at Rancher we did, I well, I mean, it's an effort. Yeah, it's an effort. Um, you know, but we wouldn't go as far as say like deploy a new one. You could always upgrade it and Rancher did a decent job, but just, it, but the, the point is it's like, it is a major um, shift. Like that's, that's kind of like one of the difficulties of Kubernetes right now is like they have new releases coming out. I don't know what it is, like three to six months. I can't remember where the schedule is now, but it's it's way too fast. So they have new releases coming out and then it's it's faster that, the, that most enterprises can actually do the upgrades of the clusters so they'll they they fall back like a couple versions and whatever. So it's one of the advantages of like EKS right now is that like EKS will maintain a version of Kubernetes for like eighteen months 
which is like, which is really funny because like for, for enterprise, 18 months is like not that long, but like for Kubernetes, that's a lifetime. So it's like, holy crap, you'll maintain it for 18 months. But anyways, so this is, this is my point about this is like why I'm kind of optimistic. So the problem is, is people focus too much on Kubernetes providing the solution. The core Kubernetes primitives of pod service, you know, um, a config map secret, like everything that's in basically like the core uh, V1 API and maybe like the apps, the apps V1 and batch V1. If you take those three APIs, um, whatever, like the very core ones, they're good and they're very stable. They don't really change that much. Like, so they've all, everything's moved to like a stable version now. If you just focus on those APIs, you've got a good enough um, solution to build any layer above. You don't need much more from Kubernetes. So the core Kubernetes um, is pretty stable and boring and dumb right now. And so if you just were using like just that, then upgrading clusters should be significantly easier. But when you start throwing in like operators and CRDs and all this other stuff, it just is madness. I am so not a fan of operators and really CRDs to a certain degree of like Kubernetes is not the solution. Like, like Kubernetes is a really good system to run pods and do container orchestration, but don't use it as your core orchestration platform for everything because like you're just going to create this really big, like it's just way too advanced and everything. So what I believe is, is basically if you can standardize the layer above Kubernetes, then it means the requirements of the, of the, of the lower level become so much easier to the point that running those clusters is a no brainer and pretty much, you know, you can still run them yourself if you're doing, you know, like on-premises um, or you can get them from a cloud provider. So what I think is that like the only way for the insanity, like, cause like right now, like what you're saying, the current state of upgrading clusters is kind of a disaster, but it's because there's too much crap going on in the cluster today and everyone's just doing, so the success, again, it's like the success of Kubernetes is like, if we can start moving up a layer a little bit to get a more standardized application layer of like, what's the package and, and how things are being deployed on top of Kubernetes, then it clarifies the requirements of the actual cluster, it simplifies it, and then the operations becomes drastically easier. Because I do think, you know, if you can do that, then it will just get to the point that pretty much everyone will just um, buy, like they'll either be, you know, for like in a cloud situation, you'll just get like EKS or GKE or whatever. You'll just get the, like you won't be running Kubernetes yourself, just the same as nobody runs VMs themselves with the exception of VMware. So if you're if you're on-premises, then you're going to buy an on-premises product, which will then give you the, the clusters. Um, so that's that's kind of where I, where I see things going. But this is all, but, but you can see like the whole thing is like, it's very, um, I'm only skeptical. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm only optimistic because I'm personally working on it. <laughs> if, if I personally, like, not to say like I'm great or something, but what I, the, the point is, is like the current state sucks. It's terrible. And so, but I see the opportunity to fix it. And so I'm going to, I'm still trying to fix it. You know, it's just like, um, because there's, to me, you know, it's, I think there's a big opportunity. It's like, um, you know, it's like you're saying the space is large enough. There won't be like one winner for sure. And if you look at the cloud, it's like, well, we have like the major cloud providers, but like, it's like AWS does not negate the need for DigitalOcean. 
right? Like those two still exist. So it's like, there's still going to be all these players, but like, but Kubernetes could kind of become the AWS, right? There is, there is a, a possibility of it becoming significantly larger, but like, because when we started Rancher, the entire purpose of like the initial vision of Rancher was that we kind of wanted to build like the overlay cloud. We looked at it and we said, you know, um, the way I feel is that like AB, AWS is the modern equivalent of the IBM mainframe. They built this, this massive like kind of vertical stack of like you run on AWS and you run all the AWS clones of software. You know, you get like the AWS like kind of like um, store brand of all the technology, you know. So and it's all kind of locked into AWS. Like I want to see a solution where it's like I can have cloud providers which provide infrastructure and I can just run wherever I want. And so Kubernetes gives me that chance of like everyone's exposing Kubernetes APIs. And so if I can capitalize on that, then you can get your compute storage networking from anywhere you want. And then, you know, then you can, and then you just, you know, run the workload. So it's like, if we can somehow make it so that like, we have a, a package for an application, which is more like a, you know, like an iPhone app or whatever, where it's just like install. And that just runs on any Kubernetes cluster easily then I think that would be amazing. Um, and that's honestly what I'm working on. But like the, but the problem today is like, that's not the case. To get something onto Kubernetes, it's like you take your container and then 5,000 lines of YAML, you know, and then some customize or maybe throw in a Helm chart and then do some GitOps and then you can get it on there. Like that's, you know, that's a, uh, it's madness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I mean, again, one of those places that we align because like with, with cycle, that was that. I mean, that was kind of the foundation behind this idea too. Is we want we wanted someone to be able to run at AWS and maybe you know at the at back back when we started, it was like AWS uh, and Packet, right? Yeah. Um, now now Equinix Metal, but the idea is that, and that's why we went down and built Cycle OS because the idea is that like even today, if someone can you know if someone creates an account and begins deploying infrastructure. If they say, hey, I want to use AWS, I want to use Vulture, and I want to use Equinix Metal, which are the three providers we natively support today, uh, they can deploy infrastructure at each. The only thing they need is an API key. But when those servers boot up, they have the same kernel, they have the same OS, and that way it's fully standardized. So that way, yeah. literally in the interface, you can say, hey, I have this one container image, deploy it everywhere. And then Cycle automatically figures out how to build, like Cycle will build a flat L2 network everywhere automatically. That's so that way, <laughs> it's just, that way everything, every like you, when, you, when you are inside a container, you don't know what host you're at. You don't care what host you're at. The only thing, like if you, sorry, if you need to care, uh, there's an environment variable that tells you what provider you're at, right? But otherwise, yeah. it doesn't matter. You're just a container, and everything else is so standardized as well, right? Um, and so, so uh, there's 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 that side of it. And then, but one of the things that we've learned recently is, I mean, like I said, we only have three native providers today. But um, and let's see, this podcast is going to go live in I don't know two or three weeks or so. I don't know. We, I might be I might be uh, jumping the gun a little early here, but we are getting ready to release on our side, what we're calling our infrastructure abstraction layer. And oh, cool. what happens there is that you have 13 API calls um, that Cycle will call out. So you, you give Cycle a base URL. Cycle will call out to that base URL and there's 13 endpoints on that. And as long as you can satisfy all of those with JSON return, you can add any infrastructure provider back to Cycle. Um, and so uh, it's one of the things I'm particularly excited for because that way instead of us it being like the three providers that we have today, because like, I guess for some context, of the last 200 to 300 
uh, organizations that have signed up for Cycle, somewhere around 65% of them came back to us and said, you don't support the infrastructure provider that we would like to use. Yeah. That's obviously a big problem. But at the same time, we don't want to be the company that is building every single integration for every single provider, right? And so the idea is that with the infrastructure abstraction layer, we would open source that so that way all, suddenly these developers all over the place could build those integrations and then share them. Uh, so um, that's kind of one of the, the neat things that we're working on. And, and it, like, it, again, just it's, it's amazing how... Uh, it's amazing how you and I align on so many different beliefs, even though the tech stack that we've been working with is just so different. I mean, it just shows that it just shows that there's, I mean, obviously there's many ways to accomplish things, but it's, it shows that the, the fact, I guess, let me try and say it this way. The fact that the fact that you and I, align in so many of these different kind of foundational concepts and ideals shows that how many of the developers out there are looking oh, yeah. for these exact same things that you and I, the same problems that you and I are seeing. And, and, and that's what gets me excited. Yeah. And I would, and I would encourage like anyone of like, there's so much opportunity still out there because it's like, there's, there's still, you know, like there's room for so many different companies, so many solutions because there's still, Tons of people struggling. There's like, there's a no way. When Docker started, there was kind of like this funny uh, opinion that like, okay, yeah, we saw VMs in the OpenStack. Like they just were like, oh yeah, that's solved. They moved on to Docker, <laughs> but it was never solved. And we're kind of getting to that state right now in the ecosystem when people think that like, oh yeah, containers is all figured out. And it's just like, no, it's like a total tire fire. Like it's like, it's just like, no, no, like there's still so much to just go and talk to users, go start. If you go and talk to companies of like, what are you doing? What are you struggling with or whatever? There's still, so I, you know, I, you know, it's kind of like a, a parting note or whatever here. It's like, it's like, I'd love to see more innovation. I want more people trying stuff. Like um, people assume that this stuff is already figured out and it's really not like the, the space has kind of become boring and I'm not seeing enough people trying dumb things like just do something and you know make users happy <laughs> yeah uh, and and I, I i i would definitely agree with that uh, and so as, as, as i i know that usually we, we aim for 45 minutes here we've had a great conversation we're, we're 10 minutes over um i know that you're working on a a uh a, a new project right now um yeah. and so it'd be great to have you on the podcast again when that goes live so we can dive into what that looks like what 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 problems have you encountered along the way uh how does the solution look today i think that'd be a really neat to, to dive into yep. but yeah, um, definitely there, look forward. Been... So i was just saying just you know just plug it sometime in july expect something from uh from me um I've put a lot of effort into this and I really hope people like it. I'm kind of afraid to launch it because uh, it's really a, like, a, yeah, I've put a lot of effort into this. I'm, I'm trying to make it a good thing for people. Well, okay. I, I, I'm definitely interested in taking a look at it and learning more. Uh, but Darren, it was great to have you on the, the podcast today and uh, looking forward to the next time. If, if, if anyone wants to, uh, to follow you on social media, where can, where can they find you? Uh, Twitter. That's the only place I am. It's uh, I build the cloud is my handle. Um, yeah, please follow me on Twitter. Um, basically, I just I mostly just rant about how terrible everything is. Uh, <laughs> that's that's pretty much it's it's Twitter is where I go when I'm frustrated. Um, 
So I, I, as I'm working on technologies, I get frustrated and I rant on Twitter on how terrible everything is. So excellent. Same, same. Yeah. Uh, for anyone listening and, and watching this, if you're listening, uh, this podcast is also available on uh, YouTube. Uh, if you're curious uh, and, and you want to watch, uh, you want to watch videos of us talk. Um, otherwise, if you want to listen, we're on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Um, and until next time, uh, it's been great. Bye.